Welcome to Level 7, Episode 138. Marvel's Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 3, Better Angels. to level seven. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Ah, yes. Agent Daniel here, warm cup of tea, and I'm asking myself this question. Wasn't I just here? But wait, maybe I should ask someone else. Hey, you. Yeah? Wasn't I just are here? You, are you talking to me? Yeah, you. You uh, in the work shirt. <laughs> what? In the it's work? It's a long and complicated story about a former college roommate who once in a class, when he was wearing a denim shirt, was yelled at it by a professor. Hey, you. In the work shirt. Oh, huh, okay. Uh... Yeah, we, we were just here well, relatively recently, depending on how you measure time. Um, well, if I've learned anything tonight about time, is that it's not linear. Ooh, we'll get to that. I got to quit measuring it that way. We'll get to that. Which will be very important for when we get around to heroes. We did it. We did it in a straight line. It just won't feel linear. <laughs> oh, we cheated. Post-credit is a cheat tonight, everyone. Or maybe not a cheat, but it's something that's not normal. Cop out? Cop out? Yeah, maybe. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But that's post-credit. That's DC. That's a teaser. And I'm not going to be ashamed. No, not there is nothing be to be ashamed. ashamed. I was grinning quite a bit while I was cheating. <laughs> Welcome to the 80s, kids. Oh, man. Well, 70s. Well, the 70s, actually. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the 40s. We need to talk about the 40s before we get to the uh, 70s. Uh, Let's do it. Let's go to the news. All right. Here we go to that intelligence report. SSR intelligence report. Hey, Ben, here's the news. Yes. When you play that sounder, I swing my hands back and forth and bob my head. That's that's good to know. Yeah, that's good to know that. Well, that's the intelligence. That's the news that will work for me. Yeah, well, you know, uh, that's what happens when you all timey-wimey on the recording schedule. So, no right, news. I'm just wondering if I'm going to move my hands again. Well, Nobody can see me, but I'm moving them. Let's find I'm out. I'm moving them, Ben. Let's find out as we go to the mission report, shall we? Let's do it. SSO mission report. Now, I'm imagining your hands are not actually up in the air, but down low, close to your torso as they're bouncing back and forth. Is that correct? Um, no, um, oh. they are next to my microphone, which is directly in front of my face. Oh, so they're not like raised above my head. They're kind well, of at by face your level. face. Yeah, I can still f- I'm, I'm picturing you kind of doing a little bit of a you know, Donald Duck uh, dance, dance moves. I'm kind of twisting the wrists. Yeah, I see you. I can see you doing that. Not literally, but what am I wearing, Ben? Don't answer that. A work shirt. Cool. No, you are in a work. I'm wearing my MCU normal civilian costume. Um, Generic hoodie. I'm wearing a DC shirt that shows Superman petting his dog Crypto that was given to me when we left our our previous church. 
And uh, the children's director gave it to me because I like Superman and she likes dogs. I'm just well, give that that story there and then we can move on. Well, why don't you give us a synopsis of this episode then, Ben? This episode is called Better Angels. And in this episode, we have Carter and Sousa investigating Wilkes' house. Remember Wilkes, who disappeared last episode in a terrible, terrible science accident. A science accident involving zero matter. Carter finds some clues that all point toward Wilkes being a traitor, a communist, a murderer. She finds the clues using her clue-finding skills, but then she quickly debunks the clues herself using her clue-debunking skills. All these things were just too neat, too tidy for him to really have been a communist. He wouldn't leave all the evidence in one place. So they go to consult with Stark, who is directing a movie, a Western about Kid Colt, and find out that that pin is linked to the Arena Club, a club that is male and pale. So why was Wilkes a member there, other than to frame him for something he didn't do? Or is it something else? Meanwhile, we find out that Frost and Chadwick that married couple, or I think they're married. Yeah, they're married. That married couple who are trying to get him into the Senate and her staying in the pictures. They have set Wilkes up as a communist. She's considering retiring from acting, but she has to wait until after the election. Now we bounce over to Thompson, who is visiting the L.A. Bureau of the SSR. He has rewritten Carter's report to shut down this case. She will not sign. He does so for her. She leaves in a huff, but as she does, we see that her pen and her keys are floating above her desk. She goes back to Stark. She has a plan to get into the arena club. And basically, they've been after Stark. He's going to go pretend that he wants to join, but he's going to bring lots of ladies because he wants to spice it up a little bit. It's just the right cover to get Carter inside to place listening devices and to sneak into his hidden rooms and see newspaper Headlines, two different headlines, same date. One talks about a guy who's going to drop out of an election. The other talks about the same guy in the middle of a sex scandal. She hides under the table when a guard with intuition comes in. She sneaks out. Stark leaves. And we go back to Thompson. Now, Thompson has just gotten a visit from Masters, who interrupted Thompson actually watching a film. Masters wants the things that uh, Wilkes left the lab with. Thompson gives Carter the business for what she did going into that club with no proof and no court orders or anything like that. He accuses her of being too emotionally involved and she accuses him of being a coward. He sends her home. Sousa seems to be unable or unwilling to help. And then they notice that a pen is floating by her desk. Is she contaminated by zero matter, Daniel? Well, no. Although her temperature is dropping and something is disturbing the gravitational field around Carter but that something is actually someone, and that someone is Wilkes. Stark uses science to make Wilkes visible, but not tangible. He coats his vocal cords with that science and allows Wilkes to talk. We find out that, you know, well, they find out all the stuff that he he experienced before the explosion at the, at the science accident. Uh, Carter then goes to confront Frost on the studio a lot. Doesn't accomplish much. Other than it brings our antagonist and protagonist together, gives them a little bit of conflict and gives Frost reason to want to act against Carter. Wilkes works with Stark to find the cure while Thompson gives Masters the 
the film. Uh, Thompson and Sousa are almost getting along, but there's something that Sousa's looking into. Meanwhile, Frost is very upset, pushes Chadwick to let Mr. Hunt, whoever that might be, take care of Carter. She turns on the waterworks, mentions the council, and manipulates him perfectly. Meanwhile, Carter is manipulating a punching bag as she is being spied on by, is it the guard with intuition from earlier? Maybe. Masked, he attacks her, strangles her. They take a dip in the pool. Jarvis comes to help using his kung fu skills and allows Carter to get a gun and scare away the mystery man. That morning, we find out Stark is up to the security measures. He's on his way to South America to find a scientist to help him with more science. Wilkes plans to leave to protect everyone. Carter will not let him. So he stays because he's their best bet with Frost, who knows all that she knows about zero matter. They need him. Carter goes back to work, finds out from Sousa that there's a scientist from Oklahoma named Agnes Cully. And that scientist helped in World War II. And that scientist is actually the actress known as Frost. Then Thompson and Masters at the Arena Club, Thompson has a revelation of his own when he meets Chadwick and sees the newspaper article headline that is exactly what Carter said she had seen. And then we go to Frost and her director, the director of the movie. I think it's the director anyway. He says he went to bat for her because the studio wanted to get rid of her because of her age. They hug a little bit too long and a little bit too awkwardly. Seems like he might have been helping her with ulterior motives. Then he sees her weird scar, realizes he really can't do anything with her with that weird scar. And she completely turns him into weird zero matter goo that sucks right up into her hand. And that is our episode. Why didn't you yell science at the end? Science! You were were getting it on a roll with all that science. Well, they do a lot of science in this. Science! Well, I mean, they scienced that spray. Uh, They scienced Wilkes all over the place. Uh, Carter scienced the the devices for bugging the place, the the, the arena club. Um, (laughs) uh, Jarvis got scienced with his voice. You got a bug. That you're going to plant a listening device. Maybe it should be smaller than the teacup I'm actually drinking out of right now. Yeah, but you know, it was old technology and older is usually bigger. So just saying the commandos would have made it small. Oh, I'm sure they would have. I'm sure they would have. But, you know, they were they were working on a, t- on a time time crunch, you know. So, Daniel, I don't know where you want to start discussing this. I mean, this plot itself well, is not convoluted but it's exciting has twists has turns um i have to say once i saw the keys and the floating pen i th- i knew that was wilkes i knew it was wilkes too and partially because we had you know found out that in the marvel universe or at least in marvel comics there was a that one-off story with a character with the, the name of wilkes who became invisible and so i was halfway expecting something like that to happen and i was halfway expecting it to happen because, well, we like Wilkes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, is, as what we discussed in the last episode, if, if they're going to take all this time to make me like this character and then kill them, as my oldest said, I'm going to be really mad. There's but, a reason why they were spending all this time making us Well, like but it. there's one of two reasons, Daniel. One reason is to make you care when he dies. And the other yeah, reason but, <laughs> is to make you like him so when he comes back, you still like him because you like him. I think they could have done that with a little less investment in the first two episodes. I really do. They, they could, could have, have done enough why? things to, 
to hang a lampshade on the idea that he's a nice guy. Maybe make Peggy feel, you know, really, you could have even taken out the make him a nice guy and just make Peggy the center point of that, as we see in this episode, the guilt she carries. You know, not just because he's a nice guy and a guy she was romantically thinking about, but she even says he's a civilian, not a soldier. And she's kind of drawn a line there. You know, the SSR is part of the Department of War. She's been with soldiers. She's fought with the Howlers. But Wilkes, even though he's a veteran, he was, in her mind, a civilian at this time. I, I Again, I think you could have upplayed that and continued that and made it a theme for 13 episodes if that's really what you were looking for. But when you can just consider the just time invested into Wilkes, I mean, we knew, you know. No, I, I didn't know because of the time. I, I really feel like they could have gone either way on that. I, you're, you're saying they, they spent too much time if they're just going to kill him off. I say, yeah. I say no. Uh, it, it'd be good. I mean, you, you spend that much time with a character and then you feel it too. Yeah, but you're, I mean, you're, you're, I, you're talking about them creating a fake emotion for you. I'm talking about them creating an actual, I mean, it's still a fake emotion, but an actual connection to a character that you care about. And then they kill the person. You know, this is something that, you know, you don't do it often, but this is something that a lot of times shows will do to get that, 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 that reaction that you think this is a character that you're going to follow. And then, no, he's gone. I've only really seen one show be able to do that really well, though. Uh, and I think I've mentioned it before, MI5 slash Spooks, where you get invested into someone in the first episode. Well, and Atlant uh, Stargate Atlantis did this. But, but again, yeah, when they did that, they they were literally – and Spooks slash MI5 is a show that constantly kind of rotated through its cast. Um, and people died and people moved on and people were dis uh, denied you know, for who they were. And, and so from that first episode, because of the fact that you had that where you had a character that you very quickly eliminated, uh, it just kind of set a tone to be honest. But – here again, the, this show's fun. It's got a, it's, we're having a lot of social commentary about race. You can't just pull that person out that is um, of the non-white race um, if you're going to do that commentary. So, I mean, we all knew Wilkes was coming back. Come on. He's just too nice. I didn't know. He's tripped nice. I didn't know. He got off the bus. I didn't know and I didn't want to know. I'm glad that I was able to you know, follow it the way I did. I think I I am proud of us for you know we had what three two days between episode and viewing and neither one of us found out. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what else was there with that though? I think that was it with him. All right, can I talk about another aspect of him? Sure. Come on, Howard. This science, really? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna make him emerge by developing him. With a spray bottle? Come on. Well, yeah. Ben, now he's got mass on his vocal cords so he can speak. Hopefully he has enough. <laughs> Didn't it just feel... I, that was I weak sauce right there. I, find, I felt let, let down a little bit. No, that was them saying, we're going to wave our magic science wand and, and do this. And why is it going to work? Because science. That's why it's science. I would have preferred instead of us explaining that they were developing him like a picture, <laughs> if they had just come up with some sort of sci fake science, I, in the sense of not an actual like you a know, next generation process. techno babble kind of thing. Yeah, if they had just made up some stuff, 
Well, it's zero matter, which means that there's no viscosity, or I'm saying that word totally wrong, but yeah, but if we're able to use this, this will create some sort of tension between him and the... Yeah, they could have gone there, but instead they it's went there cool. with the photograph. That's, and... Yeah, that's really what they did. It's the photo developing spray. But it's the photo developing, you know, it's taking one concept and saying maybe this applies to another situation with other materials. No, they were using, it doesn't matter. And then, of course, we've got to update it. we got to change it, you know, because it doesn't last because it is just development spray. It's Howard's super development spray because he's going to get all the spectrums. Well, you know why they have to do that, Daniel. Yeah, but then then we got all this other, we solved the problem of him disappearing completely off frame. And he's just back. Yeah, or or for how long? Who knows, though? But you know why they had to do that? We're, We're tense. He's gone. He can't be seen, right? We're tense. And then next time we see him, we literally see him because he just bounces back in. But you know why we're doing it this way? Comics? No, Stark. Was it Dominic Cooper? Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to be gone for another few episodes now because he has well, to he's to, got his own show. Go to South America. Yeah, he's got his own show. He does. We'll talk about that in one of our post credits eventually after Heroes are Born, yeah, maybe. Probably won't. Yeah, we will. No, you not the watch show it. I'm thinking of. You're thinking of a different show. I'm thinking of the show that's coming out that's a comic book show. Oh, with him in it? Yeah. Oh, Preacher. Yeah, I'm not a big Preacher fan, so. Uh, no, I, I know I'm everybody talk- raves about Preacher. It just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I'm talking about the man who would be Bond. The man yeah, but that's, you know, Bond. already done in the can. Preacher's ongoing, dude. Yeah, okay. All right. So, anyway, yeah, he's busy. Costs money. And... We've got Jarvis. We don't need him. I did like the little, again, sciencey stuff, voices, Jarvis, the little comment about being remembered as a, vo- a disembodied voice. for the, Till the end of time. Yeah, that was funny. It was. It was. As soon as it, as it said that, uh, you know, you are not, uh, you are not authorized to be here, whatever it said, in, in his voice. And I'm thinking, oh, that's funny. And then... Whenever you do a line like that, where it's like pointing toward the future, uh, you know, there's a there's a fine line on 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 the humor there, and it wasn't quite a groaner, but it wasn't like a laugh out loud moment for me. Hey, can I give you something else I didn't like? Sure. And that way, maybe I can be done with things I didn't like. Okay. Uh, is Howard insinuating that Jarvis and Peggy should get together? Uh n- or- no. When he says, should I look for another butler? Is he suggesting that Jarvis should go to the SSR? He's suggesting, yeah. I, I think he's suggesting, am I losing you to that life? Am I losing you to her? But am I losing you to her as her her own servant or her own partner? Rather I just, than, I, I don't think he's saying, oh, I'm going to lose you as a butler because you're going to go off and, and do fondue with Velveeta cheese. Yeah, I just, th- I think it's muddied. You know, it didn't feel right because you can't tell. Is he hinting at it and not hinting at it? And Howard is so sexual, to be blunt. Mm-hmm. You know, he really has a hard time seeing any relationship with a female as being non-sexual in nature. Um, Peggy's probably the one person who's close and, you know, he's still going to hit on her. 
So seeing him kind of make these comments about leaving for her just it just didn't set the right tone with me. Well, maybe it starts with him saying you have a, you have a spring in your step, and so that line right there, you know, you could take that as the stuff you're doing is fun and you're enjoying your life now, or you could take it as you're spending time with this person. And I think it really kind of set me off because Anna's not in this episode. Yeah, but I think something if if it had been a. I mean, Stark knows about Anna. No, absolutely. And she lives in his house. Yeah, and Stark knows about Jarvis and who Jarvis is and what he's like. And so unless Jarvis is a player, I don't think that's what Stark is insinuating. There's part of me that thinks that Stark thinks every male should be a player. Well, maybe he does. And in that case, the, the line is not that off off character, off off key here. You know, the real interesting thing is, you know, if you could get a whole Stark storyline, I mean, I think at some time he's going to slow that down based on what we're seeing when we see the other version of him. Yeah, I, I am curious. This is one of those I'm actually curious and, and want to see, you know, that transition between Dominic Cooper and the guy from Mad Men, the Disney be, version that you love. It would be fascinating to see Maria catch his heart. It's true. It's true. Find someone who would catch his heart enough that he would turn back his back on those ways. But in the meantime, he can't even remember being <laughs> held up at gunpoint by a an a you know a, a communist assassin. But he can't remember the suit. Well, as soon as he hears the suit, he remembers the woman. You know, oh, the blonde. Uh, Definitely an eccentric. So, yeah. And, and I think it is an eccentric. You, you could make the case that maybe he's, you know, this is a mask or something like that. And that's a part of it as far as the facade he wants everyone to see. But not all of it because the facade he wants everyone to see is pretty much who he is all the time as he's running around and, and doing science, you know, and, and just has that hyperactive. Uh, he's so into it. He's so into it. And he's just obsessed by it as he's, you know, got a problem and he wants to solve it. So uh, how are you liking Stark in this episode then? He's the Howard we know from the Captain America era. I feel he's a, he's a playboy. He's obsessed with science. He's quirky. Uh, I, I will say this. I have to admire him when it comes to Wilkes. We have two great Wilkes moments with him where we see Howard through Wilkes's eyes. And you got to remember, he's a stranger to Wilkes. Yeah. And in and, and one moment, you know, one moment we see Howard through Wilkes' eyes is the fact that he, Wilkes is stark good. You know, there's now opportunity for Wilkes if he was to ever be tangible again. To have a career again, and, and a great career, and it has nothing to do with his race or his disadvantage of a race in this time period, but it has everything to do with his mind. And Howard is impressed by him. So we can't see that Howard can be impressed by likable scientific minds. Um, and I loved it. You know, it's they were they were science bros. They were early science bros right there. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a, a Banner Stark kind of moment. Um, you know, Stark Wilkes here, but on the other hand, you know, he can keep up too. And so, you know, I'll sure I'll invite you into this conversation we're having right now, because 
you're the only one who can have the conversation with me. And finally, you know, you almost get the impression it's kind of nice for him to be around someone like that who can keep up with him and who may not be right up there with the level of his uh, intuitive genius, but he is up there with the level of knowledge and, uh, and, and scientific ability. I don't so, know. Let me put it this way. He knows as much about science as Stark does, but he can't science as well as Stark. No. And, and then the other great moment that we see through Wilkes' eyes. So we've seen his mind, but now we also see his heart. And Wilkes basically calls out the fact that, you know, this man invited me, a complete stranger, into his house. He's allowing me to be here, and he's trying to solve my problem. All he knows is that we're friends, and we haven't been friends for very long. Howard knows that. Yes, I'm an interesting scientific problem that gets his brain going. But at the end, Howard is very open and willing to bring this person into his home. And let's be blunt. It's not the first or last time that Howard does it. Yeah, we've got the production assistance, which is kind of a silly invitation of these people into his house. But look at how kind he's been with Peggy. You know, Peggy has to come from New York to L.A. What's the first thing that Howard, you know, how quickly did Howard offer his house, offer his things to Peggy? I don't know. But the what you're pointing out is that Stark is loyal, too. And he has a heart. Stark does have a heart, but you have to catch it. <laughs> yep. And, you know, if, you, if you're not going to catch his attention, you're never going to get his heart. But Wilkes, and then a, Wilkes has his attention because of his abilities. And Peggy has his attention because of, you know, who she was, you know, in the war. And this fascinating, strong, skilled person. So you've got and my attention. Flying to Peru. Now he's flying to Peru to fix this problem. <laughs> I, yeah. Or filming somewhere else. But you want you almost wonder though, you know, is there still that ulterior motive in the background of yeah, this scientific breakthrough could push me into another another fortune. Well, he's not done with his other science problem yet first, which is of course beating the movies. <laughs> yes. Because movies are a science, not an art. Is that what it was? Yes. <laughs> and there is an element of truth to that sentiment. Not truth to the actual reality, but there is an element of truth to the sentiment that you find in Hollywood that, you know, you just have to find the right elements and it doesn't matter. You know, you don't have to worry about the artistry. You just have to put together the equation. There's a third movie for me, a third moment for me that Howard really shines in this too. Okay. And that is the Arena Club invasion. And, and where the science doesn't work for me, and I'm like, this is kind of a hokey Howard moment. The Arena Club takeover really feels to me like a Howard moment. Um, this is, you know, Tony Stark senior with the, the conceitedness, the cockiness, the brashness. And cleverness all combined. And Peggy set him up. Now, yep. you know, we have two situations here of women manipulating men. And in Peggy's case, you know, it's it's the carrot and the stick. It's the carrot and the stick. With Carter, she is 
literally at one point, you know, come here, boy, who's a good boy? Come here with uh, with with Stark. But then, you know, I've got a plan. No, we can't. Ah, but this plan is going to let you have a lot of fun and there'll be women and you can put people in their place. And so he goes for it. He goes for it because she knows what he likes. She knows what he's good at. And she knows what's going to make him, well, catch his interest. And next scene, he's doing it. You know, we don't know what the the plan is, but we have a kind of an idea maybe. But the next scene, he is there and he is, uh, yeah, doing the takeover. And yeah, Peggy, she manipulates him well. Now, the other manipulation comes from Frost and Chadwick, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But... They have a, you know, Peggy and Stark have a good relationship. It's a, it's a fun, interesting, different kind of friendship because it's not, it's not going to be a romance. Nobody's shipping them, least of all Peggy. But I, I like what they're doing here with Stark and I was glad to see him. I was surprised to see him so soon. Were you expecting him in episode three? No, uh, absolutely not. No. Want to talk? Want to talk about the movie he's making? Uh, you mean Kid Colt? Kid Colt. Now, in some ways, I'm thinking, oh, it's a comic book of Kid Colt. That's not MCUing him. But then, oh, he was a real guy in the MCU, in the Old West. Kid Colt, a Marvel Comics character, was a real person. So they have now MCU'd westerns into the what the mcu we've got a whole new genre to play with phase four yeah i honestly i'd love to see them go there i don't think they ever will i don't think they're gonna go backwards like that hey bob Iger, as evan points out says this can go forever it can but i don't think they're gonna go backwards when they go forever unless you get a flashback in some sort of unrelated i don't know i don't know but it was nice to see i was excited to see that He's making a comic book movie. That's the other thing. They, comic book movies, that's never going to work. Eh, it doesn't matter. It'll be a nice tax write-off. So, hmm. Okay, so we talked about Wilkes and Stark. We haven't talked much about Wilkes and Carter. Why don't you go ahead and lead us through this, bud? Well, he's been following her. I don't know. Okay, see, so you clearly, again, Rome, you and romance. You can't be stalking. Uh don't be I was going to go into that. It's kind of weird feeling to hear okay. someone's hmm. been following you. They're invisible and they've been following you for like a day and a half. Uh, you know, how closely were you following, buddy? Um, you know, this isn't the hollow man. Well, he's a solid guy. He's a solid. He's guy. not solid. He's completely intangible yeah, right now. Good point. He's a solid, intangible guy with. a. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings up the problem that they never address, or at least if they ever have tried, they've never addressed it very well. If you have an an intangible person who's able to walk through walls and people are able to walk through him, you know where I'm going with this, right? Why is he not sinking through the floor? What keeps him anchored to the floor? And if he's going to, you know, go off, say he's on a floor and then he goes out of the house, what is going to cause him to go down the stairs and on the, you know, this is just me being nitpicky. I've never seen a good reason for an intangible person who's able to float around 
uh, or who's able to walk through things and, and get people walking through them. Uh, if we've learned anything this episode, been science. It's the, science. Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. That, that's a good point, Daniel. Science. Science. You're right. I hadn't thought of that. But <laughs> uh, So, yeah, Wilkes and, and Carter. Uh, Carter has romantic inclinations for Wilkes, and I believe Wilkes has romantic inclinations for Carter. I'm. It's there's just no way around it. I agree. It's just it's happening, and part of me seeing Carter get excited, you know that little look on her face when she convinces Wilkes to stay. Part of me was like, "Oh, that's so cute," and then my heart sank. But of course, he wants to go. Well, but he decided to stay. Yeah, but he wants to go because it, for the same reasons. My heart sank, Daniel. Because what about Sousa? I mean, I know he's engaged, but he still hey, has... Hey, hey, if a guy's got a thing for a Hydra agent. I mean, again, I reread Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra this week, and mellowed me towards Hydra. They've got problems, real-life problems. Life's the same all over. It's true. But I felt bad for, for Sousa because... I understand. Part of me wonders if they've given Sousa his fiance. Uh, so that we, you know, it softens the blow for us when Carter and Sousa don't don't get together. But part of me wonders if you know there's some other reason, like will Wilkes and Carter not work out? Um, I'm sitting here walking through all the various shipping possibilities, Daniel. I'm not a shipper, but I've become one for Carter. I don't know what that says about me, but uh, maybe it says something about Agent Carter. The romance is definitely a big part of this show. Well, maybe your heart has finally opened up. I am a romantic, my friend. You didn't know me in college, but I was a little bit romantic. I once uh, gave a girl Two. a living lobster. That was... Okay, let's move on. Okay. Yes. Um, we talked about Wilkes and his relationship with Stark. Peggy, we talked about Peggy and Stark. Uh, you want to talk about Jarvis a little bit here? Jarvis sure. is enjoying this life. He is a part of things. Sousa has accepted Jarvis as a part of things. Stark has accepted Jarvis as a part of things. He's part of the team. He is. Let's remember, he is a former military man. Yes, yes, but, you know, he's outclassed by pretty much everyone around him. But he ha was a great help when the assassin came to kill Peggy. In fact, if he had not come, we would have had a, possibly a different outcome. And then we wouldn't be worried about the man with the bullet hole in his hand. <laughs> yeah. Who was that man? Now, I uh, we saw his face. We saw his face. Is this the guy who was in the room with Carter when she was hiding under the table? I don't remember. The intuitive guard? I, I think it was. But, um, you know, because of timey-wimey stuff, I haven't had a chance to, to go back and look. Well, I could maybe check on the, uh, whatchamacall, the IMDB um, article for this episode, but... Anyway, Mr. Hunt has been sent after her. Mr. Hunt almost did the job. Mr. Hunt now has a hole in his hand. Um, 
that's a problem for an assassin. But maybe we'll get a good robot hand out of this or something. That'd be kind of cool. 1940s robot hand. Or if it's the 40s, a robot hand. Robot hand. A robot. Robot. <sighs> All right, what else you got for me? Well, who should we talk about next? You want to talk about Frost and Chadwick? Man, Chadwick's really stereotypical to me. He, I'm not really interested in Chadwick. Is that sad? Well, we he are seems inter- like a bottle of cliches in a in a meat suit. He is there. <laughs> he, he is there for Frost. I mean, that's the only reason we're following Chadwick at all is because of what Frost has going on and how he fits into Frost's agenda and Frost's ability to manipulate the world around her. He is political power. She does not have political power. She does have a scientific mind. And find out she worked in World War Two with uh, modulating frequencies for sending messages behind enemy lines. Uh, Do you know where my mind went immediately once we had that revelation? Your 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 history guy, Daniel. Uh, Say it again. Modulating. Well, the technology doesn't matter. It's the actress who was a science person in in World War II. And that's Hedy Lamarr. Real person, uh, actress, acclaimed actress. But during World War II, she was also a scientist. And she worked on uh, modulating frequencies being used to control torpedoes and radar and stuff like that. And I might have the exact scientific terms wrong, but she was working on radar technology. You and Howard. And, you and Howard. See, when when they were looking into that, I was focused on Broxton, Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Well. Because Broxton, Oklahoma used to be the home of Asgard. Really? Yeah, in the comics. That's where it was, though? Yeah, it was in Broxton. Huh. That's the, the is it J, J. Michael Straczynski's? Uh, I read arc. it being there under Jason Aaron. Okay. And it was already there when Jason started. All right, yeah, JMS was the guy who who started that run on with Thor, where Asgard just appears over a, a town in Oklahoma, but I didn't realize that's the town. Yeah, it's Broxton. Yeah, Hedy Lamar is, you know, it's not the exact situation, uh, but it's similar where she had an acting career and was well known for being a very, very pretty face. Um, but then she also had this extremely uh, scientific mind and was able to be a big help to the allies in the war. Um, but wasn't able to, at least I might be getting this one wrong, but she ben, wasn't able to patent her technology. It ended up being patented under a man's name or something. You're talking like about the past, the past of Isodyne and world war two in which Agnes proved her mental worth. Let's talk about the present Agnes Cully. And let's talk about zero energy. Okay. So it's in her. It what's does the stuff. deal here? <laughs> it does stuff. It she does. sucks the director into her. Yeah, that was weird. And Is not at all what I was expecting. I expected him to maybe melt into the ground, disappear, not get sucked into her. You know what it reminded me of was the was Venom. Yeah. You know, the how Venom, the Venom symbiote would go into a person and, you know, disappear to within them. But... But there's a price. There's a price for the use of this power, which is incredible. And what would that which, price be? Scarring. 
Yeah, you'd expect it almost to be the scarring to go away. No. No, I mean, it, you'd almost expect them maybe to use an older-looking actor or a makeup-aged actor, and every time she pulls someone into her, she's able to, you know, become more fresh and more young. No, but we but need to get to a mask. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We have to get to a mask for her. We have to get to a look. And we can only do that if we make her feel as if she needs to cover her outside appearance. Or it'd be cool if maybe the mask was just what her face turned into. Oh. You know, instead like, of instead of give, covering give up him a the call. Ugly. Give that writer's room a call, Ben. Yeah, I think they've already written the episode, so I'm not gonna bother. They won't they probably listen to designed me. the mask, probably did it six months ago. Yeah. But that would be cool <sighs> if they went there. Son of a gun. Man. So we do have the the uh, confrontation where Carter goes to confront Frost on the studio lot. Uh, and this scene is almost useless. I don't understand why Carter would go and confront her at this uh, point in time. To set up the assassination? What? To set up the assassination? Well, it gives Frost motive to want to assassinate Carter. And it also gives us some time with our two... Our, our protagonist and our antagonist on the screen together. That's good. That's good. But, you know, that's that's probably the one misstep that I'm giving Carter on this episode is for her to, to go and do that. Yeah. It did seem a little out of place. Yeah. It's interesting. For such a good show, you and I both had things we didn't like. Yeah, but, you know, it still was a really strong episode. I was... I'm right there with you from last episode. This is good TV. This is really exciting and fun TV. And I can understand why it wouldn't be for everyone. But I think almost anyone will recognize the the quality that you're getting here. You may not have the enjoyment, but the, the quality, is it's, it's witty scripting. It's cinematic TV. You know, it, it's it's good. It's good. Good. Let's see here. We should also. Do you have any more to talk about with uh, Frost? Nope. Again, I, she's an interesting. This is definitely a new power set for Madame Mask. <laughs> uh, an, an unexpected power power set. I would definitely say that. How about? I, and I'm still wondering if she's a portal. Oh yeah. Well, it could be. I mean. The zero matter could be a portal in and of itself. So, yeah, you never know. You never science. know until it happens. Howard would know because of science. That's true. He's a hot mess over science. Uh, Thompson. Ugh. You know, I think something very true was said about Thompson. What's that? Uh, at one point, there was a comment made that all Thompson ever wanted to do was Serve his country and earn a medal. It was said by a bad guy, but I think it's true. Yeah. And then you know what else someone said about him? That he's a coward. Yeah. But, you are so afraid of ruffling powerful feathers that you do what you always do. Bury the truth and hope someone will pin a medal on you. Ooh, burn. You want to hear my crazy Ben Avery prediction of the episode? Yeah, sure. Here's my crazy prediction. I think that that statement made by Vernon about him wanting to do, you know, 
good for his country. I think it's accurate. And I think that our boy Thompson is growing a conscience. I think he's feeling guilty about how things are going down. And I think maybe Thompson's not going to make it out of season two. I'm feeling a sacrificial move coming on. Hmm. It's possible. Here's what we do know. The one shot has Peggy in an SSR office with a chief. It's not Thompson. It's not not Sousa. Sousa. Sousa's on the West Coast with his girlfriend from Hydra. I think Thompson is going to do something crazy, stupid, and heroic before this is done. I think we're getting a little lampshading, a little foreshadowing between Peggy's calling him a, between Peggy calling him a coward and the comment that Thompson just wants to serve his country. I think he's going to become brave in one shining moment and then be gone. Yeah, you know, maybe. I mean, they have to take this character somewhere. He can be one note and just stay what he is, kind of a jerk, or we can build on him and and allow him to have some dimension. And I, I would rather they go in that direction, give him some dimension, allow him to grow. And it doesn't have to be sacrificial growth for him. I mean, he is recognizing right now that there is bad things afoot and that Carter is correct. Uh, we don't have to, he doesn't have to do the sacrificial thing to be redeemed here. He just needs to, you know, stop being a jerk. And, and that's, that's pretty, that's good enough for me here. He's not a ward, you know, who, man, if he's going to be redeemed, there's going to have to be a lot of work done. Uh, that's not, you know, Thompson, he's just a, he's a chauvinist. He's a pig. Just a little like, bit of a betrayer. Just like the rest of the world, you know. But he's never shot an agent point blank in the head while on a Quinjet. No, no. And I doubt he ever will. I, I, I don't think, I'm, I'm going to go against you on that one. Uh, you, can, you can put your death watch on him. You're the one who likes to do the death watches. Uh, you know, I don't think I've done a death watch in seasons. You, it's been a while. It's been a while. There so to, I'm, I'm, glad that they've, I'm glad they've given you this opportunity, Daniel. Jack Thompson, welcome to Death Watch. <laughs> I salute you when you make your heroic stand. And I think his heroic stand will be maybe not a heroic sacrifice, but more of a career suicide. That's, you know, there's always the possibility that he'll do something heroic and Peggy will fall in love. And then we find out that, you know, Captain America saved him. But I'm not counting on that one. You know, there was a while where I wondered if that was where they were going to head with those two. But no, not anymore. Not anymore. I'm trying to think about if there's anything else to cover. I mean, there's lots of stuff going on here. But this one was pretty plot heavy. Um. Lots of, of, you know, shuffling the pieces on the board. We're getting closer with Frost to where she is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Chadwick, another chauvinist. <laughs> I, uh, when Frost is considering retiring, he's like, you have to wait until after the election because we can't have something overshadow my campaign. And after the election, you can retire and have as many babies as you want. That's... Really dismissive and unfortunate. Uh, 
Yeah. So I, I don't know, Daniel, do you have anything else you want to cover here? I think we actually efficiently for once got to it. All right. Well, should we move to the next segment then? Let's play that sounder so I can get my, let me get my wrists up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here it comes. SSR field report. Am I a flapper? (laughs) That made me a flapper. I don't think so. Uh, I think flappers were women, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, does it have to be gender specific? I I thought it was. I I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I just thought it was, so. Anyway, here is our feedback, okay? The feedback is from uh, Agent, uh, I'm going to say the name wrong, Agent Jari, maybe? I'm sorry. Confidence, Ben. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, And he actually, or she, oh man, now I'm really embarrassed. Confidence, Um, Ben. (laughs) He actually sent in a number of uh, email feedbacks for Jessica Jones. We just haven't, we didn't start receiving them until after. Uh, we we stopped recording Jessica Jones stuff, and so I haven't read any of his emails from the Jessica Jones series. But but we'll record those again. Hey Ben, did you hear the confidence? But he did write in about Agent Carter, and the subject is actually Agent Carter. And in parentheses, Daniel, very timely topic considering what we just finished talking about, Jack Thompson. Uh, let's see, Jack Thompson is a man of inner conflict. On the one hand, he's a fair-haired pretty boy, wannabe pretender. But then again, he's also the macho, grouchy stick in the mud as well. He has a front around his truer, wounded self, but he also doesn't really seem to be up to the task at hand. He also has a mentor figure, an older agent type who has become more of a policy-setting influential figure in their world, the world of good guys and law enforcement setting. A friend of his father who also really gave Jack the opportunity he has used to become the man he is. But there is trouble afoot. This uncle, father figure, has other connections as well. Will this dark legacy usher poor Thompson into becoming an active participant in evil workings of a completely unrelated organization? Or will his utter ineptitude prove fatal? If anyone has heard any of this before, feel free to raise your hand, then awkwardly put it down again for no reason. Okay, so we have had a minor character with some of those qualities die, or to be fair, go into the coma, land with Smokey and friends. We also have a major character become evil, well, eviler, and then die, but let's not get stuck on that, for we have an obvious point to make. So Werner took some of those and went away, fittingly unglorious fashion. Ward had the other qualities and got the evil end of the stick, using common sense. Thompson, the supporting mid-level character of the three, has another fate in store for him. Some kind of a redemption type of deal. Not that he needs one in a more big-picture way, but on a personal character level, he sure does, and that's that. All right, it's an unrelated thing. Why even put JT and Jack Thompson in the same light as those guys? My bad. Let's scratch the whole thing. I mean, it's not like all that just leaps out of it with even the slightest comparison, an unfounded comparison. So I must acquit. Sure was nice. A nice theory I had there for a while. Except, Agent Sir, (laughs) we were making some of those same comparisons. So, and we, of course, were saying that he's not a ward uh, exactly, but there is a comparison to be made there for, you know, a character that 
belongs to the the good guy organization who isn't acting like a good guy. Truth. But like Truth. Daniel said, he's not putting his gun to an agent's head and pulling the trigger and, you know, killing them. So there is that. Hammer on the right track. There is that. Confidence. <laughs> oh, speaking of confidence, I was totally wrong. His emails weren't about Jessica Jones. They're about Mavith. They were about uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I need to go back and reread those. I think that's just foreshadowing for a future episode. Ben. Yeah, it's going to have to be because I, I just completely messed up the whole confidence thing. Yeah. We're, we're working on you, buddy. Yeah. We're working on yeah. you. Eventually, we're going to get this right, Daniel. On episode well, 239, maybe. Wait, uh, no, this yeah. is episode 138. So. Yeah. Episode 239. Marvel's Most Wanted Season 2, Episode 1 premiere. Uh, I don't know. I think that actually is the Marvel uh, Damage Control comedy show that, you know, season, season one, mid-season cliffhanger. Well, and let's not forget, you know, it could be Cosmo and the Cosmo Pups, Cosmo Buddies, because yeah, Disney loves their dogs. That's a post-credit thing. You know that, Daniel. Dude. I'm going to give Come on. the Cosmo Buddies as much play as we possibly can. I don't even know about what you're talking about. Other than Cosmo, he's the dog, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. And then there's the Snow Buddies from Disney. Oh, I see. Don't your kids you're ever just binge the... those in the holiday season? No, I don't let my kids watch that kind of dreck. I have higher standards. I make them watch things like Labyrinth. And you can talk to Agent Evan about that. Six million dollar man. And I make my kids watch Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> hey, is that a segue? It could be. It could be. Because I got nothing else to say. I'm all dried up here. All right. Well, <clears throat> let's see here, Daniel. I just want to say. I, I just want to, I'm not sure what I want to say. I'm just going to have to say something though, aren't I? Come up with something. I'm getting my wrist ready. <laughs> okay. Um, let's go with uh, this one right here. Daniel, we have a lot. <laughs> we have a lot of, of possible Marvel TV shows that we're going to have to be working on. But eventually, they're going to stop making MCU material. And when that happens, Daniel, you know what you can do? You know what you can do, Daniel, when that happens? No, I don't. You can retire and have as many babies as you want. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is Little Lily Swim by Tritachion, found at soundcloud.com slash tri tachyon. Ben, that was a massive fail. What was? No wrist popping. There's some twisting, but it just didn't work. I wouldn't call that a massive fail then. But, uh, hey, so you want to talk about a massive fail? <laughs> I so was on Hulu. Oh, 
Which, so, by the way, who they brought me in with the free week for the Agent Carter, but I'm staying for the Criterion Collection. Ooh, that does seem like you. Oh my goodness, Daniel! It is insanity, and that in eleven twenty two sixty three. But which, which I don't know when that's starting. I just, I'm thinking for somebody who doesn't have cable. Mm-hmm. That. Hulu's a good investment, perhaps. Well, but I already had Netflix, you know, and but, but they it, do different things, and there they, is some slight differences stuff yeah. on Hulu. So, Daniel, I'm getting yeah, ready to basically watch. Basically, look at it as your DVR. Yeah, I, I almost could, because I was getting ready to watch Heroes Reborn on Hulu, and I was getting ready to click on Heroes Reborn. You saw something, didn't you? Well, they recommended something. It was sitting there right next to Agent it's like Carter. like they know you. It is. Some sort of algorithm or something. They're in your mind. So instead of clicking on Heroes Reborn, I clicked on uh, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. And before we recorded tonight, Ben, I watched not Heroes Reborn like I had planned, but Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And I'll take the blame. I will take full blame. We are not no. done with Heroes Reborn. We will cover those last three episodes, and we're not going to do every episode of Legends of Tomorrow. But if we're going to use this post-credit to talk about superhero stuff that we like, I was smiling ear to ear, and those who know me know that's going to hurt my face. But I couldn't help it as I was watching a TV show that was made for me. Oh, it was totally made for us. Down to the cliched plot, the twist that we saw coming, the recruitment episode. The time travel, the Ugh. Doctor Who vibe, but then it's also glorious. kind of an MCU. It's like, what if they put Doctor Who into the MCU, but then use DC characters instead? Wait, those are DC characters? Because I'm pretty sure I saw Iron Man. I saw Iron Man and Ant-Man. Down, down to the, the sound effects. I'm like, oh, same library. And here's the other thing, Daniel. I know you've been following along Flash and some of those other shows, right? Flash and Arrow, I, I guess, being the I, other I, show. I, I don't pay attention to Arrow. Okay, but you're following Flash and you've seen the episodes that have these characters in them, uh, you know, the other DC stuff. I have. I've actually been introduced to all of these characters. I haven't. Except for Rip. I haven't. I haven't watched Flash yet. I intend to. It's nothing that I have against Flash. I hear it's great. Sounds like exactly the kind of thing I'd love. But, Daniel, it didn't matter. I really enjoyed myself, and I didn't know these characters when it started. I haven't seen Adam. I haven't seen Hawkman and Hawkgirl in this particular universe. I haven't seen um, you know, whatever's happening with Lance, Lady... Uh, White Canary. Apparently, based on what I've heard, she died. And came and back? They used a, they used a Lazarus pit to bring okay. her back. Well, whatever. I mean, whatever was happening with her, uh, I recognized the name. I didn't care. Uh, I didn't care that I didn't know these characters in this universe. But but they set it up so you don't have to. Exactly. I mean, I mean the Hawkman, Hawkwoman introduction was actually a two-part episode. It was a flash episode, and then I even I even watched Arrow so I could see the conclusion. And in that, you even got Vandal Savage introduced, the big bad of our series. But to be honest, I mean, Ben, you didn't need to see those be, like I did because they they summarized it for you in about thirty seconds. They set it up nicely, and you know, it, 
they, you knew that they had fought Vandal Savage before. You know, you knew Arrow had fought him because he made a comment about it. It was a throwaway line. And here's the other thing, though. The character arcs were fun and made sense. The twist about, you know, the title, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, I enjoyed that. The, the theme of what can we do to create our own destiny. I like that they didn't wait till the last episode to be like, oh, yeah, nobody knew these guys. Yeah. No, it, it was just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Highly recommended from me. If that means anything to you out there, then you, you know what I'm talking about. You'll I'm just saying this. this right now. Somebody in the writer's room is really enjoying writing for Heat Wave. They're really enjoying it. So, I mean, this is the kind of stuff, though. I mean, my yeah, I've, I've written a number of comic books. Time travel is one of those things that I uh, enjoy doing. My first comic book that I wrote was a time travel story. Um, I wrote an eight book all ages series. It was just about time travel. Time travel is my sweet spot. And then it's Rip Hunter by way of just kind of. He feels Doctor Who-ish. I mean, obviously the guy, uh, what's his name? Is it Arthur Darvel? Yes. Yeah. He's from Doctor Who. Well, he's a little bit more concerned about the rules of time travel than Doctor Who is. Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. He is and he isn't. And he's saying things that are kind of like what the doctor would say, you know, explaining time travel and that kind of thing. Manipulating people into doing what he wants them to do. But manipulating them because, you know, this is the only way to get it done and it has to be done. Uh, otherwise, the universe is going to, you know, or the, or the earth anyway is going to die. And good, good stuff. Good, good stuff. So any other thoughts about this, Daniel? I loved it. If I wasn't doing lacrosse training all weekend, I'd force the kids to watch it tomorrow. In fact, I might. Yeah. It's like that part two. I, I'm thinking maybe we'll come back to Legends of Tomorrow, but not on a regular basis. Not like Heroes Reborn. We really need to get you in a Flash episode. Yeah. I, yeah. I need to watch some Flash, really. Did Did you like this Captain Cold? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, it's very stylized, but it's he's very consistent with who he is in Flash. And uh, no, I, I love yeah, his I, I love his Han Solo Hoth jacket. And if anything, Heatwave, I think, finally got out from under the shadow of Captain Cold a little bit. You get to see a little bit more personality other than just muscle. Well, I don't know their dynamic. In You know, but Mick is loyal to Leonard. I, I don't know their old dynamic, but I like the dynamic here. Let me put yeah. it that way. So. But again, the comedy from Heatwave, killing it. The comedy all over the place. I mean, everyone has moments that are just... It's it's just fun. It's a fun superhero show that talks about, you know, consequences, choices, and destiny. I'm they they hit all my sweet spots. And I'll be watching it on Hulu. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. I need to go watch uh go watch a clip from Deadpool. Well, you go do that, have some fun, and I'm gonna go podcast about some other comic books now. So Later, Ployo. Later. I flapped. <laughs>